0: presentation this morning is entitled, What is Truth? To begin my presentation, I want to take you to a story in the Bible. It's when Jesus was just brought into Pilate. And Pilate went again into the judgment hall. You'll find this in John chapter 18, starting at around verse 33. And Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, are you saying this thing of yourself or has it been been told you of me? And notice the irritation in Pilate's reply. Am I a Jew? Your own chief priests and nation have delivered you unto me. What have you done? Why did he say that? He's never seen a man like this in front of him before. This man had the bearing of a king. What sort of of man is he used to seeing? He's used to seeing, what will will we say, the scum of the earth? The worst of worst. So no wonder he said to Jesus, what have you done? What have you done? And Jesus said to him, he said, uh, My kingdom is not of this world. What did that say? He didn't deny it. He actually confirmed he's a king. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight to deliver me from the Jews? My kingdom is not now from hence. In other words, my kingdom is not now from here. My kingdom is not now. What does that imply? It once was, it will be again, and if you're a Bible student, you know that is to be true. My kingdom is not now from from here. Pilate was immediately intrigued. So notice his next question, art thou a king then? Art thou a king then? Then meaning, so you're a king? Because of what he's just said, he has not denied it. He said, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, to this end I was born. Art thou a king then? He says, thou sayest that I am a king. And look at what he says now. To this end I am, I was born. In other words, I am the king. Mm-hmm. Thou says I am a king, to this end I was born. For this cause I came into the world, that I might bear witness of the truth. All who all who are of the truth Hear my voice. Right at that point, and we can see by Herod's answer, right at that point, something was happening in his mind. It was a debate. (laughs) It was a debate. He had the crowd clamoring and he had a king in front of him. He had a king. He knew he was a king before he opened his voice. He had the bearing of a king. So, what's the debate? He he, he doesn't want to see this man crucified, but out there, what's happening? It's a a storm out there. It's very early in the morning. Jesus said, "Thou sayest I am the king, to this end I was born. Can you imagine, Pilate, intrigued? For this cause I came into the world. More intrigue? And then he said, Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate was turned because he knew that he was not. So he said, What is truth? Do you know what that answer tells you? He's turned. His, his moment has gone. His moment has gone. He turned. But before he turned, he said something. Before he turned, he said something. And he said something that people are echoing all over the world today. And it is the title of my presentation this morning. Jesus said, Thou sayest I am a king, to this end I was born. For this cause I came into the world that I might bear witness of the truth. All who hear the truth, who are of the truth, hear my voice. Was he bearing witness to the truth right then? Absolutely, he had the bearing of a king. In fact, from the moment he was born, I'd like to suggest he bore witness that he was a king. To this end I was born. For this cause I came into the world, that I might bear witness of the truth. All who hear my voice. Sorry, all who are of the truth, hear my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? And he turned away. What did he turn his back on? His eternal salvation. That's what he turned his back on, his eternal salvation. Right then he had to weigh up a whole lot of things. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Where where does this happen? Where is this weighing up of the pros and the cons? And that is a gift that God gave each one of us. He says, what is truth? Did he want an answer? He already had the answer. He'd heard of Jesus. He'd heard of his dialogue in John chapter 14 where he said, I am the way, the truth. And the life, no man cometh under the Father but by me. Maybe Pilate had heard even of the dialogue that he had with the Jews that believed on him. This is found in John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. And Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him, If you continue in my word, you shall be my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Often quoted, isn't it? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus, in his bearing and in his dialoguing, was offering Pilate life. Eternal life. And what Pilate did, he was weighing this up. And the cost was too great for Pilate. The cost was too great. He knew that it would be political disaster to free Jesus. And if you know the dialogue later on, he said, I have the power to let you go. And Jesus said, you have no power. Because we know what was Jesus doing? He was fulfilling the prophecies. It had to happen. But, but Pilate could have been free. Yes, it would have been political disaster. Yes, he would have immediately lost his, his job, as we say in Australia, possibly even killed himself. But if you know the history, he could barely live with himself after that, and he did end up taking his own life. Pilate said, what is truth? And he turned. He turned back out to the Jews and he said, I find no fault in him. Notice the next two words, at all. At all, none. (laughs) He could not. (laughs) Let's go back to the Jews that believed on him. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He was offering Pilate freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And there was a debate going on in these Jews mind. Look at their answer. <laughs> we be Abraham's seed. Mm, but right then, they, it, it was there. And what did they do? We be Abraham's seed. And never have been in bondage to any man. So how sayest thou thou shalt be made free? Had they been in bondage? Yes. <laughs> yes. We be Abraham's seed and have never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou thou shalt be made free? I love Jesus' answer. Jesus' answer is the answer of a king. The king of kings. You know what he does? He puts the axe at the root of the tree. He said, whoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. What's that got to do with it? But our wonderful, merciful, loving Saviour, immediately once he puts the axe at the root of the tree, his mercy brings in the solution. Mm -hmm. Whoever committed sin is the servant of sin, but the servant abides not forever, but the Son abides forever. And if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know you be Abraham's seed, and yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen of my father, and you do that which you have seen of your father. And then further down in the dialogue, in, in verse 44, he, he puts the, the axe to the root of the tree again. He says, you are of your father, the devil and the lusts of the father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own because he is is a liar and he is the father of lies. But what he does is something far more effective than a lie. And we go over to another debate and we go to Revelation chapter 12 verse seven. And this gives us another insight into the debate, the great controversy that's been on this planet since time dot, since creation, actually before creation. And this gives a little insight before even creation. The Bible says there was war in heaven. You know what the the word war is uh, is interpreted as in the Greek, debate, another debate. We've just looked at one debate that Pilate was having in his mind. We just looked at another debate that the Jews that believed on Jesus was having in their mind. Let's look at the original debate. This is the first war. And there was war in heaven and Michael, Michael is another word for Jesus, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought with his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. That great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Now that really defines it. There's no doubt about who he is. Look at the next words, which deceive the whole world. What's a deception? Not as it seems, Mm -hmm. not as it seems. If he came with his lies, no one would even look at it, but it's a deception. How do we determine what is deception and what is not? the Word, the Word of God, that is our guideline, that is our key remember what Jesus said, if you continue in my Word you shall be be my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceives, it has deceived the whole world, he was thrown out to the earth and his His uh, angels were thrown out with him. Notice verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of our Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. Uh Aha. He never sleeps. Have you heard the accusing voice? You're no good. You're an idiot. You'll never make it. You'll never be able to do this. Whose voice is that? It is that great dragon, that deceiver, which was cast out. He's the accuser of our brethren. Whenever you hear the voice of accusation, who is it? See, the Bible shows us very clearly. The Bible sweeps the curtain aside and shows us exactly what's happening. I love verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony because they loved not their life unto death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And we looked at that last night. Who's going to pay? Who's going to pay? The price has been paid by the blood of the Lamb. That's why if Pilate had freed Jesus, someone else would have condemned him, but Pilate would, would be free. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, because they love not their life under death. Look at the next verse. Rejoice, ye heavens, and they that dwell therein. Why are they rejoicing? He's gone. (laughs) But woe to the inhabitants of the earth. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time. So don't, don't be concerned or fearful over that verse. Go back to the previous one. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they loved not their life under death. Jesus said in John chapter 16 verse 33. He said these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer. He says I have overcome the world. By his death, he has paid the price. By his death, he is victor. We're on the winning side. One of the devil's most successful deceptions is that he does not exist. hmm We need to know the enemy. If you don't know his tactics, you can be easily overcome easily overcome. So we've just looked at three different debates. Pilate's debate, and we saw his intrigue. Art thou a king then? Thou sayest, I am a king, and to this end I was born. You see what Jesus did? He opened to him a glimpse of heaven. For this cause I came into the world. That I might bear witness of the truth. Pilate's heart was stirred. This was the most amazing thing he'd ever heard. Everyone who is of the truth, hears my voice. And his heart was struck. He had a choice right then. He could have said, I wanna know more. But what did he say? What is truth? Everything around him, except for the king. In front of him. Do you know what it says in Numbers 23, 23 of God's people? That the shout of a king is amongst them. He had the shout of a king right there. He dialogued. He weighed up the pros and cons. Where do we weigh up these pros and cons? how can we determine what is truth today in 2021 how can we determine what is truth number one the bible number two history we're looking at a bit of history number three is science and number four is common sense god is the author of those four he is the author of those four and he stands behind those four So we can do the BHSC method, I call it, to any subject. But what I want to show you now, I want to go inside. We're going to go inside the brain now. And I want you to notice that our skeletal system is an internal structure, causing man to stand upright. But when it comes to the head, it becomes an external structure. It now plays a protective role. In fact, there's not much between the skin and the skull, is there? But notice that there are seven holes, seven avenues of access into the brain. When I first worked as a psychiatric nurse, the first ward I worked in was an accident victim ward. Why have we got accident victims in a psychiatric hospital? Because their brain has been damaged. And yet God did a good job putting a very hard skull there. And yes, it is true. It is such a strong skull that if he's hit very badly and there is a dent there, it can certainly damage. And we've got that wonderful story that my grandchildren love, David and Goliath. (laughs) This young boy taking on Goliath ran down and took five stones. Goliath, when he saw David, he was angry that they'd sent this young boy, this young strapling. And in his anger, you know what he did? Pushed his helmet back. And the stone went there. And when it went there, it embedded into his skull because if you know the story, David, he'd already killed a lion with his sling. He'd already killed a bear with his sling looking after his sheep. God was preparing him. The whole of the Israelite army was afraid but this young boy, why wasn't he afraid? Because he had surrendered his whole life to God and God gave him the ability not to be afraid. And it's beautiful what he says to Goliath. He says, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. Mm -hmm. But isn't it interesting? If Goliath hadn't got angry, he wouldn't have pushed his helmet back. And there wouldn't have been a little spot for that stone to go to. (laughs) What did the stone hit? Let me show you what it hit. Here is the brain from side on, here is the brain from top down. And if you look at the brain, it's, it's almost like a walnut. And the two lobes at the front is called the prefrontal cortex. And it is the prefrontal cortex where our intellect resides, where our judgment takes place, where our reasoning powers reside. This is intellect. Can you see what's happening in the prefrontal cortex? This is where our debates happen. This is where judgment takes place. This is where our reasoning powers reside. But it is the fourth function of the prefrontal cortex that determines our destiny. In fact, it was this final one that determined the Jews that believed on Jesus their testimony that determined Pilate's testimony well his testimony proved his destiny it is the will and the will is the governing power in the nature of man it is the power of decision or of choice see here's the debate there's the debate God gave us a wonderful gift when he gave us the gift of choice. He did not want robots to serve him. He wanted people to serve him because they choose to serve him. And in the little book, Steps to Christ, there's a beautiful illustration of how this happens. It says there, page 47, you cannot change your heart You cannot of yourself give to God its affections. And when I read that, I thought, well, what can you do? But you read on, don't you? Sometimes I get a bit impatient. (coughs) You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections, but you can choose to serve Him. You can give Him your will. He will then work in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. the whole nature can be changed through that right action of the will. An entire change can be made in the life. An entire change could have been made in the life of Pilate. And I think we know the story from another one of the Gospels that his wife came to him. Do you remember the story? I've had a dream.
1: Don't touch this man.
0: He had a lot of evidence. Where's the evidence debated? Right here. Right here in the prefrontal cortex. Jesus was pleading with him. The Holy Spirit was pleading with him. In the Proverbs it says, My son, give me thine heart. When you give your heart, what are you giving? You're giving your will. And there was a lovely verse that... Um, that Geoffrey quoted last night, ye shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. No, nothing nothing back. That's Not that him saying, Nothing between my soul and the Saviour. Nothing. Nothing. Yes, we must count the cost. But you know what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter two, starting at verse seven. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God, which God hath ordained before the world for our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the King of glory. As it is written, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, even the hidden things of God. Isn't that beautiful? The Spirit that searches all things of the heart. Jesus said to his disciples, this is found in John chapter 14, and it's around verse 16. He said, this is before the scene in the judgment hall. He said, I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter, even the spirit of truth. Did you hear that? Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it it doesn't know him or see him, but you know him because he abideth with you and shall be in you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And down in verse 26, he defines it. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things into your remembrance, whatsoever things I have spoken unto you. Peace I leave with you. Why? What's the peace? The peace is the fact that he's given us a comforter. But that comforter will only come in when we ask. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be dismayed. Because there's lots of things happening around us and we see it, don't we? Lots of things that, that, that concern us. But what does Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. He says, I've got it. I've got you and I've got it. So trust him, trust him. No wonder he said to his disciples, unless you become like a little child. What's the little child? It just amazes me, my little grandchildren. They have total faith in me. It's a little scary. So we go down to the rocks and it's a bit unstable so little three-year-old Lennox holds my hand. Now he's invincible. (laughs) I'm just, whoa, whoa. He just thinks he can just about fly if he's holding on to Nana's (laughs) hand. That's what Jesus wants us to be with him. Unless ye have the faith of a little child, you shall not... Enter into the kingdom heaven, total trust, total trust. And the decision is here. So what's the debate? Hasn't a debate two sides? Where's the other side? God communicates with us right here. And the front part of the brain takes up about a third. The prefrontal cortex takes up about a third. And this is not fully developed until the age of 30. What age did Jesus begin his ministry? When his prefrontal cortex was fully developed. Can you see how Bible and science, you see God wrote science, Backside. So what's what's the other voice? We've got something else in our brain. Well, we've got a lot of things in our brain, but we're gonna look at this. It's called the limbic system. And the limbic system is the emotional brain. Aha. These are the emotions, the thoughts, the feelings. Call the emotional brain or some writers call it the e-brain. Here's the other voice. So let me show you how it works. So the right side of the brain, this is your right. So the right side of the brain is the I won't decision the left side of the brain is the I will decision and right in the middle we've got I want by I want I'm referring to your goals your aspirations what do you want out of life what do you want out of this day I'm going to show you how it works together in Pilate. so pilots at the judgment hall He sees this man he is touched. Never has he seen a man with such kingly bearing here. And the crowd's clamouring. No wonder he said, what have you done? What have you done to cause this? He was intrigued. His frontal lobe could see. His reason, intellect and judgment said, what is it with this man? Is he a king? He had the dialogue with Jesus. Is he a king? His feelings, his thought, his emotions went out to this man. You could not hide no matter what you did and what were they about to do with this man. In fact the Bible says in Isaiah 52, His visage was marred more than any man after the scourgings and the beatings. You know, these whips had nails on the end of them. You could hardly even recognize that it was a human being. His visage was marred more than any man. You think you got it tough? Read of Jesus' last 24 hours. We we haven't got it tough. (laughs) And no wonder... The Bible says he knows the way that we take. He knows. Tempted in all points, like as we are. He knows. That's why you can go to him. That's why the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Because we have a high priest who knows. Even then, he had the bearing of a king. Of a king. What did the centurion say? Truly, this was the son of God. He saw the king. He saw the king and he did not care what anyone thought of his words. The debate had happened. The debate had happened and he made a decision. The debate happened in Pilate's mind. His emotions, everything was drawn to it. But then he weighed the cost. I won't free him. I will deliver him because I want to stay ruler. Jesus gave us the ability. That's why no matter what decision people make, I respect because it's our God-given right. Is that right? Our God-given right to choose. My husband was at a freedom march in Sydney yesterday. He said, we marched down the, the, the street, and when he looked back, he could not see the end of the crowd. <laughs> oh, please fight for your friends. Hmm? It's our God-given right to have this freedom. He gave us the right to choose, but notice what God desired, that our choice be made according to intellect, judgment, and reason. Way up? It's a debate. It's a debate. God communicates with us in the prefrontal cortex. The Bible says in Isaiah 1.18, Come, let us reason together. It's right here. He says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they be as be crimson, they'll be as warm. Yeah. Have you ever seen how white snow is? I was lecturing one day in a church and it was snowing outside. Oh, I can hardly... Oh, I'm not used to snow. Unbelievable how white it is. So white. So white. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That blood, that scarlet blood washes us clean. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thought. So can you see that God designed our brain so that our emotions, our thoughts and feelings, they thread through the prefrontal cortex. This is our board of senses. This is our board of critiques. And so Pilate's emotions were going through, wow, I want this. I want the way, the truth and the life. I, I want it. But then... And the devil tempts us through our thoughts and our feelings, but Jesus communicates with us. Notice the difference. The devil cannot read your mind. Praise God, he can't. So let the debate happen. Who wins the debate? The voice. Beautiful. Beautiful, Barbara O'Neill. says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they be as be crimson, they'll be as wool. Mm. Have you ever seen how white snow is? I was lecturing one day in a church and it was snowing outside. Oh, I can hardly. Oh, I'm not used to snow. Unbelievable how white it is. So white. So white. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That blood, that scarlet blood washes us clean. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thought. So can you see that God designed our brain so that our emotions, our thoughts and feelings, they thread through the prefrontal cortex. This is our board of senses. This is our board of critiques. And so Pilate's emotions were going through, wow, I want this. I want the way, the truth and the life. I, I want it. But then the crowd and the devil tempts us through our thoughts. And our feelings, but Jesus communicates with us. Notice the difference the devil cannot read your mind, praise God, he can't. So let the debate happen. Who wins the debate? The voice you choose to listen to. There was a debate in his mind, Satan was saying, You're the ruler, you're gonna lose this. Look at the crowd, they're gonna pull you to pieces. And the still quite gentle voice was saying, I am the king, to this end I was born. My kingdom is not of this world. That's the debate, there it was. And the debate with the, the Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word, you shall be my, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make, make you free. Oh, I'm sure they earned that. But then there was the devil saying, huh, who does he think he is? We're Abraham's seed. Hmm? That's what Jesus said, I know you're Abraham's seed and yet you seek to kill me. I would like to suggest they hadn't surrendered all. They were like Pilate. They liked what they heard. They liked what they saw. Oh, the crowds were following him. He healed their babies. He healed the blind." The deaf heard, the lame started to walk. Oh, they loved that. But then they were in Jerusalem and the crowd mentality turned them. Do you know what I was reading in Desire of Ages? That two days after his death, because it was the Passover, people from all countries were there. The people were saying, where's Jesus? I've got my little girl, where, where is he? And the people that were in the city, their hearts were cut. They were part of the crowd that yelled out, crucify him. Now they had time to think. You see, when the crowd was there and the, and the, and the Bible says, Desire of Ages explains it too, the Jews were moving them through the crowd, stirring the people up. They didn't have time to use their prefrontal cortex to consider what's going on here. What's going on? And a lot of people feared the Jews. They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. And the people, three days after his death, where's Jesus? Where's the teacher? Where is he? I said, haven't you heard? No what? It oh, cut their heart to tell the story because they were in that crowd. Oh. The accuser of our brethren is cast down that accuses them before our God day and night. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. As we will see in the next lecture, your words affect your mind as much as your mind reveals your words. I thank God we've got a board of censors. We've got a board of critiques. Psalm 39 verse 1. The Bible says, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Here's the bridle. That's the bridle. And that's where God communicates with man. And when we surrender everything to him, he gives us the strength right here to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm being tempted, but no. Because the devil tempts us in our thoughts and our feelings. That's how it happens. Here's a very simple one. You wake up in the morning, it's so nice and warm in bed, I think I'll just stay. I won't get up just yet, I'll just stay a little bit longer. I will stay in bed. Then as consciousness awakens, you start to assess your day. Actually, I've got a busy day. I need need to have some water. I I need to get up because I want my day to be a successful day. And if you want it to be successful, you've got to start early. Actually, you've got to start yesterday. I wonder if Pilate had had a large meal that night. I wonder if he'd drunk very well of the wine at the table. I wonder if he'd gone to bed late. Can you see how the eight laws of health... When kept, boost prefrontal cortex function. The eight laws of health, when broken, compromise it. He already had a compromised prefrontal cortex when he was called early to the judgment hall. And you see by his dialogue, he was a bit annoyed. Am I a Jew? How do I know what you are? Am I a Jew? Your own nation, your own chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? What have you done? That annoyance is seen in the dialogue. Well, prefrontal cortex wasn't working very well because he'd gone to bed too late, I would say. He'd had a huge evening meal, I would say. He'd had a lot of wine with his meal, I would say. And this is compromised. What part of our body does the devil want to take down? What part of our mind does he want to take down? He wants to take down the part of our mind where we communicate with God. Our decisions determine our destiny. The other verse is explaining this, is found in Psalm 16, verse 7, where it says, My rains also instruct me in the night season. They're my reins. Just imagine this, I say to a man, we've got a new horse, he needs to be broken in, he's a bit wild, take him for a half hour ride. He comes back eight hours later, I said, what happened? He said, well the horse wanted to go there, and it wanted to go up there, and it wanted to go down there, and what's my, re- what's my response, what do you think the bridle's for, mate? What do you think the reins are for? Whoa! Praise God, he's given us some reins. You see, our thoughts and our feelings and our emotion, they go all up and down like the wind, don't they? Praise God for a prefrontal cortex that can bring them in. So it is absolutely essential of the essence that this prefrontal cortex be strong. By the way, let me give you a little bit of uh, information that shows that we were we were created in the image of God. So the human brain, the prefrontal cortex, takes up between thirty-three and thirty-eight percent of the brain in a monkey. Some say that's where we came from, but it's actually laughable, isn't it? It's absolutely laughable. There's a seventeen percent. You see, the Bible says in Genesis 126 that God created man in his image. In the image of God created he them, man and female created he them. This isn't just our fingers and our eyes and our nose. This is our brain. God created man with the ability to communicate with God. What an honour and the enemy of souls through his incredibly successful art of deception has deceived the whole world that god is a tyrant or that we don't even need to know god or that there is no such thing as a devil and we can just be our own self and do what we want no 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 do you know what god says do you remember what he said You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you know what his message is? Freedom. (laughs) There's a whole song about freedom, isn't it? If I was a good singer, I might burst into it right now. Freedom. Isn't that what everyone wants? Freedom. That's what he offers. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What about a dog? 7.5% frontal lobe. What about a cat? Not much. I've had some people say, not my cat. (laughs) The creatures, (laughs) not my dog. (laughs) Well, not a lot of research has been done on the dogs and cats, like the human or the monkey. So why is there a difference? The mind and the nerves gain tone and strength through the exercise of the will. The will is not a muscle, but it is just like a muscle. A couple of years ago, I read a whole book on the will. Can you imagine a whole book on the will? And it shows there that the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And there are many homes today where children are just let do whatever they want. And there's no reins put on them at all. And you'll find those children, their behavior is really bad. My son, Peter, is very strict with his little ones. It's black and white in the home. That's Peter, black and white man. And and when I mind those children, it's actually easy. I was FaceTiming the other day and he said, Lennox, Sophia, come over. And they just ran to him. Now, you might say, well, yeah, he called, but you, wouldn't, you would be surprised how many don't. I was with a friend the other day in the shop and she said to her daughter, come here, little one. The daughter totally ignored her. Ah, uh, Come, come. Mummy needs you. I totally ignored her. Do you know why Peter's children ran? Because what happens if they don't? (laughs) There's a consequence. It's very easy. It's very easy. There's a consequence. And I say to parents, be strict with your children because if you don't show them the guidelines, when they leave home, someone else will and they won't be as kind as you. Isn't that true? My husband says discipline is like this. Every now and then the cows touch the electric fence to see if it's still on. Don't disappoint them. (coughs) and so the question is now asked what do you do for child's tantruming well if the the child tantrums in the shop I can tell you right now it's not the first one it's not the first one so it's better to deal with it at home because that's easier you haven't got everyone's eyes on you so what do you do if the child tantrums well it's a very excellent remedy it's even a hydrotherapy remedy it's called bucket of cold water whoosh, but I'll wet the floor. We'll just gently guide them outside then and just throw the bucket of cold water there. One lady said, you wouldn't do it in the winter. I said, oh, it's the best time. It's the most effective time. (laughs) And the child goes, that was cold. Yes, sweetheart, you were getting a little bit hot under the collar. I just thought I'd cool you down. And if they start again, you just say more. So you're giving them the choice. Giving them the choice. Doesn't leave any welts. <laughs> Wonderful tonic to the human body. It's just a bucket of cold water. So you establish, you establish it at home. See, our, our role as adults is to can't do that at the school. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's frowned on. <laughs> we'll have to get a hydrotherapy teacher into the school. <laughs> Wonderful tonic. And when the child's clothes are wet you say come inside now sweetheart now change your clothes now bring your clothes out now you go and hang them over there so they can dry see it's just consequences and when they leave home there's lots of consequences and how are they going to stand <laughs> but if in the home there are consequences to every action the parent should never get angry remember what happened to uh to, um, and it's a good to read the children that story. Look what happened when Goliath got angry. <laughs> Pushed his helmet off. The stone went right into there. tell you when that goes, the human body can't function anymore. So anger, I taught my children this proverb. It's Proverbs 16 verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Mm-hmm. You see, anger is an emotion and the prefrontal cortex quickly says, ah, no, (laughs) no, no, You see, the, the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed till the age of 30. That's why adults should be guiding the children in the right way. It's just cause and effect. There's an excellent book called Have a New Kid by Friday by Keith Lehman and the whole book is just about cause and effect. He says, B never happens till A happens. It's just cause and effect. And in homes today, there's just an easy way to do it. It's called the iPad. You can have five minutes on the iPad if your room is clean and the dishwasher is empty and, and all your clothes are folded up. Do your children know how to fold their clothes? Don't, don't send them from the home useless because the workforce is suffering because useless teenagers are hitting the workforce. I don't want to fold my clothes, okay? There's no, no no iPad. Sorry. <gasps> but I want it. We've just lost it for two weeks now. If there's any more, I've oh, just lost it for three weeks. Sorry, sweetheart. I love you too much. Do you see that big smile like an idiot? I just love you too much. <laughs> I just You keep calm. That's incredibly powerful. Very powerful. And then, of course, if they really start acting out, then whoosh. Mm-hmm. It's easy not to get angry when you're dealing with it. A lot of parents get angry because they say, don't do that, don't do that. And I told you not to do that, I told you. That's how you strengthen your child's intellect, judgment and reason, by having consequences in the home. Clear guidelines, very clear guidelines. That's a happy home. One lady told me that she bought a bedroom suite for her her teenager's bedrooms. And she said, the requirement is you keep the bedroom clean. Well, she'd go in and it looked like a bomb hit it. So she'd take the chest of drawers out. Still looks like a bomb hit it. A week later, took the cupboard out. So by the end of the month, all that was in the bedroom was a mattress and a sheet. (laughs) And clothes. And the wind started to get tidy and she thought, oh, okay, bed goes back. Keith Lehman says in his book, words mean nothing. Action is everything. Action is everything. And you know what you're doing to the children? You're teaching them to know and love God. You're teaching them to strengthen their prefrontal cortex. The best thing you can teach a child is self-control. This is where self-control happens. I've met some 20-year-olds, and you would think the prefrontal cortex was fully developed because they're making such good decisions. I've met some 40-year-olds, and I don't know if it's ever going to develop. But I thank God that every day is a new day. And I read this in the Wayside Chapel. It's a chapel right in King's Cross, which is like the red-light area in Sydney, and it said on the wall, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today, you can make that decision to serve, to love, and to know God. But let's have a look at what the great deceiver's doing. Let's have a little window into how he's taking this down. Pure air. Students, do you remember how much energy the cells are getting when it's got oxygen? 36, that's right. And you've got one trillion nerve cells in your brain and in every nerve cell, there are those little energy cycles. So if you're breathing bad air, if your pillow's moldy, you don't open your windows while you sleep, underneath your bed hasn't been vacuumed for a month, the mattress is stale, your blankets, your quilt hasn't been aired for years, you're not breathing in fresh air through the night. We should leap out of bed in the morning, did you hear that? Whether you're nine or 90. If you don't, you've got to put the detective hat on and find out why. And remember, our yardstick is these eight laws. Bad air compromises the prefrontal cortex because it's made up of nerve cells, which have energy cycles in them. Sunshine, the ultraviolet rays from the sun go through neurochemical pathways and hit the pineal gland and boost your melatonin, ability to sleep, boost your serotonin, your mood hormone. Our body needs sunshine, our brain needs sunshine, and it gets it through the eyes. Don't look at the sun, except early morning, late afternoon. Temperance. We looked at this list the other day. We looked at sugar. How does sugar affect the brain? To understand how sugar affects the brain, we need to know that the brain consumes 15 times the fuel of any other cell, And the brain can only hold a two minute supply. Have you noticed when someone puts on a lot of weight, their head doesn't get bigger? That's because they've got a skull. (laughs) So the brain can only hold a two minute supply of fuel. And we looked at that, that the fat stores are the fuel stores. The muscle cell has that glycogen, that quick release glucose store, but the muscle cells, not the brain cells, your liver has a little bit that it can send to the brain. Our brain loves what we had for breakfast this morning. We had a variety of fruits. We had quinoa. We had some stewed apple on that. We had some coconut cream, chia seed, ground flax, pear cream with Brazil nuts. And then, second course, a little bit more quinoa with black eyed beans. That meal was high in fiber, generous amounts of proteins and healthy fats. And you know what it's giving our brain cells? A steady, consistent, sure delivery of fuel. So those brain cells are working well. The problem is with sugar, cereals, takes you up quickly and then drops you quickly. So when your blood sugar goes high, how's intellect, judgment and reason there are almost bypassed. It's like trying to control a fast car. I would not like to drive a car with the accelerator stuck down that would be terrifying I don't think it would be terrifying for my husband he loves speed but for me I say to people my husband drives fast and ladies go oh no and I say I oh, love it I like speed too He tries to keep within the um in the in the range But he loves America where there are areas where he can just go for it. No, when sugar levels go in and blood glucose levels rise, it's almost like trying to control a fast car. So very quickly, the brain says, pancreas, release the insulin, get it down. It's too high. But because so much glucose was there, too much insulin is released. And now it goes too low. How's intellect, judgment, and reason down there? It's out the door. What's it, what's it saying? Lights are on, but no one's home. How long does it take before prefrontal cortex isn't working? Uh, two minutes. You want easy parenting? Forget the sugar. Now, I used to make dessert for my children two or three times a week. Children love sweet things. But I made it with maple syrup or honey or dried fruits. So when we're in the supermarket, ah, shopping mall, it's near Christmas, and there are all my children, maybe something like that, six of them. And Santa Claus comes along with all his helpers giving lollies, you call them candies, out. My children stood back. And they looked at the children, they looked at me, and they were surprised. These are the first children that hadn't taken them. And I said... They're allergic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Sandra and his helpers went, oh, and my kids went, yeah. (laughs) They were not interested because they were so comfortably satisfied. And I think you'll agree with me. I'm feeling comfortably satisfied. I have no desire. There are fig trees out there and they're not ready yet. But if someone brought in some figs, and I love figs, I'm sorry, but I... I'm so comfortably satisfied, the thought of more food is not pleasant to me, much as I love the figs, we'll wait till the next meal. This explains why so many people are eating all day long. They're not eating food that comfortably satisfied them. They're not eating generous fibre, proteins and fats. They're on the high-carb diet, which is going up, down, up, down. So they're wanting to eat all day long. And you saw yesterday, if you put food into your stomach, when the previous meal hasn't been digested, it causes a bit of a war in there and digest, well, the outlet has to stop till the new foods broken down. So the old food or the last meal starts to ferment. How many people have bloating in digestion?
1: Because
0: <laughs> they're not looking after the stomach. We should show great respect to these delicate organs of digestion. Not far, in fact, almost equal with the sugar is the hybridized wheat of today. We looked at that earlier in the week, how it created a starch structure that gets the blood sugar level up even higher than refined sugar. And there are a few books that talk about the link between wheat and mental illness. In other words, this has been compromised. Uh, Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter. He's a neurologist. Wheat Belly by Dr. William Davis. Gut and Psychology by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride and Dr. Bruce Fife's book, uh, Stop Stop Autism Now, Stop Alzheimer's Now. All of these books talk about the link between yes, refined sugar and the hybridised wheat and mental illness. In other words, the compromise of the prefrontal cortex. Caffeine, how does caffeine affect prefrontal cortex? It directly affects prefrontal cortex. Let me show you how. Here's the nerve cell. And remember, the nerve cell is not like any other cell. The nerve cell communicates with the next nerve cell via little chemical messengers. They're the receiving stations. This is the arm that comes out. This is the axon. These are the little filaments at the end of the arm. And they're the boutons. Here is the next nerve cell and these are the receiving stations. So what happens is the neurotransmitters or little chemical messengers come in, they're encapsulated in the inside of the cell. That little capsule is sent down the arm into the little boutons and it's released out to the next one. It is estimated that one nerve cell can communicate with 20,000 other nerve cells, that's incredible. And those little neurotransmitters, they can be traveling anywhere between two and 200 miles an hour. In a crisis, it can be that. I'm going to tell you of a bit of a crisis that I experienced a little while ago, and it was at another health retreat, and it was a few years ago, and we were having lunch in this house, and here's the road, and then we got a message that in this tree... Was a bear. No, I'm an Aussie. In fact, sorry, the tree's upside down. I'm going to do it right. Trees go up. That's right. Here's the tree. Sorry, I'm not a great drawing. There was a bear in the tree. Here's the bear. The bear was about as tall as me, but probably twice as wide. So we were having lunch. So we finished lunch and we came down. It's a five minute walk down here to where the the bear was and there were cars that's a car sorry i just won't even try i'll just tell you there's a car, there's and there's what you call you call it a truck is that right The it's got a tray on the back of it and there were quite a few people around here looking up at the bear taking photos but we couldn't get a very good look at it so one young man threw a couple of pebbles up and it must have got in a tender spot because we heard a roar and it started to move Well, did we run? (laughs) We ran very fast because I hear that they do run fast and they can hurt you. (laughs) Immediately when that happened, this is what happened to our neurotransmitters. Adenosine, which acts like the brakes in the body, adenosine levels dropped because in a crisis, you don't want any brakes. You want to do the run or the climb or the fight of your life. Your life's dependent on your movement. The other one is acetylcholine, and acetylcholine is the neurotransmitter that directly affects prefrontal cortex function, and it rises in a crisis. No wonder. I want my intellect, judgment, and reason to be working very quickly. So I turned around. What am I going to do? Ah, I don't have time to run to the house. Ah, oh, Michael's just driven up in a car. I'll jump in that car. Can you see what's happening? Your, your. uh, Intellect, reason and judgment are working very quickly because you've got to move and you've got to move fast. The other neurotransmitter is dopamine. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is your pursuit of reward, your pursuit of escape, your pursuit of happiness hormone. Can you see that these hormones are all activated for a crisis? Praise God that we have that in a crisis. You've probably read of people doing superhuman feats in a crisis. I was running very fast. But then the then the bear stopped. He only came down about six foot. And everyone relaxed. We could go out and take a few more photos. You know the ranger guy came later later and said, "Well, if you see that bear, throw rocks at him. You've got to deter him off your property." <laughs> so a pebble was okay. But I wanted to show you what happens in a crisis. This is the exact same process that happens when you have a cup of coffee or a block of chocolate or a a Red Bull or a V drink, your energy drinks, or a Coca-Cola or a Dr. Pepper, all the caffeine drinks. This is the exact same thing that happens. And how many people have a cup of coffee and say, oh, That's better. My brain's going, that's right, acetylcholine's risen. Oh, and I feel better. Yes, your dopamine levels are rising. But now the brain says, we've got a chemical imbalance. You see, it can cope with that in a crisis because this adjustment is necessary in a crisis to save your life. But the person's just sitting in the cafe bar drinking their coffee and the brain says, they're not moving, they're not running quick. Develop extra receptor sites so we can try and maintain the brakes. Stop making so much acetylcholine. Eventually, dopamine levels are exhausted. So, the person might feel good straight after the cup of coffee. No wonder there's a crisis. But then you've got this corresponding effect that eventually depletes. What caffeine does is it causes a chemical imbalance in the brain. And what the hybridised wheat and the sugar cause is a fuel imbalance in the brain. And when our brains run according to precision balance, they're not coping very well with this fuel and this chemical imbalance. And how many people today, in fact, in, in Australia, the current figures are 50% of Australians, at some time in their life suffer from some form of mental illness. That, that was not so 100 years ago. Some say, well, it just wasn't documented 100 years ago. No, no, no. Let's move on. We're looking at what compromises prefrontal cortex function and how many Americans woke up to those three foods for breakfast? Alcohol, alcohol's a neurotoxin. And the Australian health department have stated there is no safe dose of alcohol. It's a neurotoxin, it kills brain cells and the brain cells we have now, we've got for life. Look after them. Let me tell you about um, a man that came to our health retreat. He said, I'm 70. Uh, he said, my sons are in their 40s going into 50s. He said, I'm, I'm a businessman, I own my own business. He said, and I wanted to mentor my boys into the business. But he said, I started to watch my mates, his friends, and how their brains were starting to miss it a bit because every luncheon they have the red wine. And he said, and I made a decision, I'm going to stop alcohol. He said, I'm in my 70s now. My, my mind is still sparky. I'm, I'm still, in fact, I'm still working. <laughs> He said, but every now and then, my wife has a dinner party and she invites our friends and they drink wine. Mm. And he said, after an hour, I retire to my library because, he said, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing watching their behavior. He said, one night, one of the ladies said, I'm gonna sit with you tonight, Jack, because I'm on antibiotics and I can't have alcohol. After one hour, she looked at them and she said, do I behave like that? He said, oh, yes. You see, their intellect judgment and reason is drastically compromised. How many drunks think they're funny and the only people that think they're funny are the other ones? Can you see why? And that's why the Bible says, he who partakes of this is not wise because you're directly compromising the part of your brain where you communicate with God. So when the accidents happen, it's because this is compromised. They take the corner too wide. Their judgment is gone. They take the corner too early. How many tragic stories do we hear of a drunk going into the back of a family car? Mother and father, three kids dead and the drunk walks away. Mm. It's, um, It's tragic. And you have your history. Alcohol was banned for 13 years, 1920 to 1933. It's called the prohibition. In that time, here are the figures. The mental institution occupancy dropped to 8%. Jails almost empty. Domestic violence almost wiped out all because one thing had been eliminated and that's the alcohol. It's not safe. Mercury is also a neurotoxin Mercury can come into the body in four ways. Well, three main ways. One is the fillings in the mouth. And I think we are talking about the little video clip called the smoking tooth. You can, there's this special screen that you can put on the mouth. And when, well, of course, they, they have a tooth with mercury in it out. So they put the screen there. They pour hot water in, like if someone's <coughs> drinking tea or coffee, and you see the, the vapors come off. Chewing gum. So chewing, there's the story of the man who got his mercury filling taken out. It was 50% mercury when it went in, 25% mercury when it came out, been in his mouth for over 20 years. Where's the rest? It leaches into the body. That's That's a scientific fact. So your mercury fillings, if you have mercury fillings, my suggestion is find a biological dentist. We'll put a dam in your mouth and take the precautions yes you'll get a little blast but then it's gone see what mercury does is it kills brain cells and it eats away at the myelin sheath that's called multiple sclerosis when that's three quarters gone that myelin sheath is basically a fatty substance remember i said earlier the brain loves fat the brain is the fattiest organ in the body that's why the ketogenic diet is helping people overcome their epilepsy because the brain is getting such nice amounts of fat. That's in this book Stop Autism Now, Stop Alzheimer's Now. Now, you just picture this someone's on a fat free diet, they've got a mouthful of mercury, they're eating lots of fish with all its mercury, and they're getting every vaccine that comes along. That's the third place that you'll find mercury. It's called thimerosal. That's the name of the mercury in the vaccines. Can you see that that's a disaster? That's a recipe for, for Alzheimer's, dementia, multiple sclerosis. Different people's brains react in different ways. We had a lady here not long ago who had multiple sclerosis. Her, her leg you know, hardly moved. She had to drag it along and she was not that old. She was only in her 40s. She said as a little girl, the thermometer broke and she'd been, she was playing with the mercury. And she said that she, she'd she had a lot of vaccines. She had mercury fillings in her mouth. She had, she had all the bits and pieces there. Mercury is bioaccumulative. That means the bigger the fish, the more the accumulation of mercury. The more or the longer it's in your mouth, the more the accumulation of mercury. And of course, the more vaccines you have, the accumulation of mercury. No safe dose of mercury, no safe dose of alcohol. They're both neurotoxins which means they kill brain cells. Tobacco, there are 4,000 chemicals in a cigarette. Tobacco, that's one of the most effective ways to block the oxygen going to your brain cells. Drugs, drugs never cure disease. They just change the form and location. We're not referring to a crisis. I'm not talking about the crisis. I'm talking about disease. Now there are three types of drugs that directly affect prefrontal cortex functioning. Uh, First two are your mind-altering drugs. Illegal mind-altering drugs and legal mind-altering drugs. Both affect prefrontal cortex function. The side effect of many medications blocks the prefrontal cortex function. In some, more than others. Chemicals. Chemicals damage the tissues, chemicals damage the the myelin sheath, contributing to multiple sclerosis. We talked about the chemicals, getting them out of the house, getting them out of your bathroom cupboard, out of your toothpaste, out of your clothes. Remember, there's a great deceiver out there and you see the deception, especially in women's underwear with those fabrics that are chemical going into the body. MSG, monosodium glutinate. Monosodium glutinate causes the nerve cells on the tongue to overfire and when they overfire, the cell gets exhausted and can even die. Monosodium glutinate, if it causes the nerve cells on the tongue to overfire, it causes nerve cells everywhere to overfire. Mold. Mold is toxic. The Bible says if there's mold in the house, destroy it. If it's in the clothes, burn it. Mould can inhibit the uptake of oxygen through the body, especially in the brain cells. Electromagnetic field excess. Here's the silent killer. Be careful of your exposure to the electromagnetic fields. It's a very socially acceptable list, isn't it? But I wanted to show you how it directly affects prefrontal cortex function. It's a very socially acceptable list because there's a great deceiver out there deceiving people into thinking, oh, a little bit of sugar won't hurt you, a little wheat won't hurt you, a little caffeine won't hurt you, a little alcohol won't hurt you. I've had the mercury fillings in my teeth for centuries. They're all right. Tobacco, don't you hear that? Don't you hear that? And yet, as you can see, the great deceiver is out there. See this one here? The pharmaceutical company is the wealthiest company in the world and the Bible talks about the deception of the drugs in Revelation chapter 18 verse 22 it says that chapter is about Babylon falling which is the anti-Christ institution, it says that her merchants were the great men of the earth, who's well, a merchant? Salesman, great men of the earth, the wealthiest men of the earth so her Her salesmen are the great men of the earth, making a lot of money. I don't know if you realise, but the pharmaceutical companies are making an absolute fortune out of this COVID vaccine. And did you know, at the moment, there's there's been almost 4,000 deaths in the US to the COVID vaccine? Did you know there's been 6,000 in Europe? And did you know that the Nuremberg Code, there are 10 codes and the vaccine's broken every code? In fact, code number 10 says if there's one death, the experiment has to be stopped. Wow. I'm telling you the truth and you can test these things out for yourself. The figures are there. Scary stuff. But let's have a look at this verse. Revelation chapter 18, verse 22. And her merchants were the great men of the earth, which has deceived all nations by her sorceries. The word sorceries comes from the word pharmacies. Would you agree with me? Have all nations been deceived yes. by these drugs, by these vaccines? This is the most dangerous vaccine that has ever been given to people because it can, it can actually dive into your DNA. Maybe my life will be threatened. Maybe I won't be watch much, much longer when this hits YouTube. Because I don't mind if God said, Barbara, you must go tomorrow. I say, thank you, Father, I can't wait. I can't wait to see your face in heaven. Yeah, I'm sure my children wouldn't agree. <laughs> but do you know that if God has a plan for you, no man can take you. Amen. I love the stories of when Jesus spoke a cutting truth that they hated and they rushed him out to throw him off the side of the hill and stone him, and he passed right by before them. Don't you love those stories? His time was not yet. So if your time is not yet, no man can touch you. If it is your time, praise God. (laughs) There's a better world coming. Yeah. See, then we have no fear. Do you know where fear comes from? Right here, in this limbic system. And you know what dissipates fear? Using your intellect, judgment and reason to see, there is no need to fear. So if someone says, Barbara, how can I protect myself against COVID? I say, stop watching the television. Because the messages that are coming through are not the truth. And when I hear of what was written about me in the Guardian newspaper 18 months ago, it was all lies. I can't believe anything I read now. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can when I read the word of God. Amen. You remember what Jesus said? And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Is freedom known because God said, I have not given you the spirit of fear but of power, of love and of a sound mind. Where's the sound mind? Right here. And so one of the devil's most effective and successful deceptions is to take this down and convince people that, there's not really anything wrong with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And little by little, compromising this prefrontal cortex. Exercise increases circulation of the blood to the prefrontal cortex. We should be exercising every day. I I can't miss a day. I love it so much. Rest oh i think this is the most successful ever since the electric light came on but ever since the technologies is that right what keeps people up at night technology isn't that true if you put the lights low and have soft music on and have your main meal at breakfast and lunch and sit down on the lounge chair and read a book what's going to happen when the lights are on the television's blazing my daughter said she visited her friend's parents and there was a television on in every room and every room had a different channel can you imagine the noise who's gonna who can go to sleep in that the sunshine gives off blue light and we've got a receptor on our retina that takes in blue light and when we've got adequate blue light in the brain, remember your eyes take the sun into the brain, our tactical reasoning increases, our ability to solve mathematical problems increases. Praise God, let's get out in that sun. Having a break soon, you will be able to. When you put the, when the iPad or the phone or the computer on in the middle of the night, it's blue light. It's a different frequency to sunlight. It's not the healing. But it's blue light enough to tell your brain, daytime, wake up. And as I showed you earlier, that we need to sleep eight hours, and the most powerful hours are before midnight. I had my favorite last night, nine to five. Actually, I got a little bit more, nine to five thirty. Someone said, Do you wear, do you use an alarm clock? Uh, I, I never do. Did you know we're the only creature that wakes up to an alarm clock? And it's a shock to the body. But if you eat breakfast like a king and lunch like a queen and tea like a pauper, and one lady said, what do paupers eat? I said, sometimes nothing. Mm-hmm. Or oh, you say supper. Mm-hmm. And you go to bed early. Well, it was about quarter past nine. I think we left here about nine. And you've got fresh air. I had that window wide open. Oh, the air's so beautiful after the storm. Yes, I did shut it through the storm. So can you see what I've done? I, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm working to the formula. Is that right? And there is a formula. If you abide by the formula, you'll get the results. Even though I found out just before I went to bed that my son has eloped and got married without telling anyone. Oh, oh. Oh, yes, they've been engaged for seven years. (laughs) Whoa. I'll show you the photo later. It's beautiful there by the sea. Okay. (laughs) You know what God gave us? Choice. You know what we give our kids? Choice. Wow. I slept, and I slept beautifully. I just love it when the breeze is coming on your face. And I woke up. Who wakes you up? Let God wake you up. It's such a beautiful thing. God said in Isaiah 50 verse 4, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. Did you hear that? He wakeneth morning by morning that I may hear his voice. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. You want to become the learned? Let the greatest teacher that's ever walked this planet teach you. Early in the morning, I can be wondering what to say, wondering how I'll put this here, that there. I'll go to sleep. I'll wake up in the morning and... In seconds like lightning strikes God puts it into my prefrontal cortex and it's just so wonderful to sit there and receive it whoa whoa what a great idea father whoa 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 it's just such a beautiful experience but can you see I've got to do my part I must do my part in the winter I wake when it's black as black I wake up and I'm ready to go and I love guessing the time is it 5 is a quarter past five? and It's usually around that time. What a beautiful time. It's my favourite time of the day because it's the time that God communicates with mankind. So please make sure your prefrontal cortex is in the right conditions to hear the voice that spake as never a man spake. Proper diet. We've been looking at that all week. You've been tasting it all week. It's pretty good. A plant-based diet, high in fiber, generous proteins, healthy fats, giving the fuel that the brain needs for that prefrontal cortex to function effectively. Use of water. Our brain's a hydroelectric system. That water needs to bathe the cells. It needs to be in and out of the cells. When we're dehydrated, the brain cells shrink and the area between them shrinks and oh, that can really hurt remember one of the body's many cries for water headaches can be just the body saying you need more water in there remember little just how God sends the rain little by little by little even when we had that storm last night and it came down pretty hard that's still not as fast as a whole glass of water going in. but when it comes down too hard and fast it washes the soil away so don't put that water in too hard and fast Let it go little by little over the time. Trust in divine power. When we trust in God, when we surrender everything to Him, what does He promise? He says, peace, I'll leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be dismayed. What's let? Let is a choice. Let not. So we're going to be tempted to worry. We're going to be tempted. In fact, not only tempted, but the is going to be pointing with us. You know what you do when he accuses you? Yeah, it's for the likes of me. That Jesus shed his blood. Mm-hmm. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's found in 1 John chapter 1. Beautiful promises that we have. Hold on to those promises. Make them your own to determine truth, we have used the B-H-S-C method. Bible, history, I've given you a bit of science this morning, and common sense, isn't that right? Common sense isn't very common today. And you can use that in every area of your life. And I believe it is not hard to use it in the crisis that is on the world today. It, uh, the COVID is not a crisis, it's an economic crisis. It's the reaction that people have given to this. And yet, if, if it's laid before the people, using the BHSC method, you can quickly see that th- this is nothing to fear. 99% of people recover from COVID. So why are we vaccinating? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Knowledge is power. And when you gain the knowledge through the Word of God, everything I read, I thread through the Word of God because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And remember, I'll just end with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where we've got, I think, one of the most beautiful descriptions of the Word of God and also a beautiful description of our Saviour. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. All things are naked and opened. See what opened is, past tense. All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, even Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. What beautiful promises we have. I leave those things with you and I just ask that you'll bow your head as we close. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for truth. We thank you for the truth as it is in Jesus. We thank you for the comforter, which is the spirit of truth. We thank you for the history and looking at history in the light of the Bible. We thank you for the science that you put in every cell. We thank you for the common sense you've given us and we thank you, Father, for all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.